This is the Conduit Church Teaching Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us, starting with the teaching of His Word. Enjoy the message. Aren't you glad that Jesus isn't a manual like you get like within a piece of Ikea furniture, a manual how to put it together? I don't know how to do any of this stuff. God didn't send us a manual. He sent us Emmanuel. He sent us the guy that would put it together for us. That's Jesus. That's Emmanuel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for God with us. We take it for granted on this side of Calvary. But forgive us for that, for taking for granted that you are no longer God separated from us. You are not a God that is waiting for us to find our way to you. No, you are the God that made a way to be with us. And that's what Christmas means. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And you could be seated. What a wild 24 hours it's been at Conduit. How's your life been? We got the wiggles and giggles section. I'm fired up for that. Power to the people. It's, um, it's fourth service. My filter has been broken for at least the last half of a service. It's going to be good. <laughs> we had lots of plans today. Lots of really good plans today. I mean, honestly, y'all don't, maybe you do know this, but like this band... They don't suck. <laughs> and they showed up this morning ready to just, I mean, rip, roar, fusion, uh, something, whatever, whatever Adam Nitty does that no, one, no other human can do on a bass. Like, they had this whole thing, but then we walk in here and our sound system doesn't work. The screen doesn't work. The rolling blackouts, like, y'all Californians thought you got away from that, so I don't know if you brought it with you here. No, in all fairness, I've been here 28 years, and this is the first time, so I don't, I'm not blaming it on the Californians, I'm just saying it was, it's been a little cold. But we, we had all kinds of plans that were interrupted. So everything you just saw, they actually made up this morning about five minutes before the first service, because they had to, and you would have never known that. But I want you to know that because it was so good, you'd have thought they'd rehearsed it for a week. But in the spirit of interruptions, uh, it's kind of like Christmas in general. I mean, isn't that the entire story of Joseph and Mary? We had this whole plan. We're going to have a baby in Nazareth. We, we, by the way, I don't, if you're new to Conduit, we, we'd be making babies around here. Like, they'd be babies everywhere and, they, and when you got a baby you got to do the the plan you got but there's just plans we're gonna we're gonna do the birth here some of y'all doing them at home in the pool with the chin-up bar like a, you know doing a civil war style you know what i mean out, out in the pasture like but there's plans of how we're going to do babies they had a they had a plan to do the baby in nazareth it, probably nazareth you know saint thomas nazareth i don't know but but god had a different plan a plan that interrupted their life, one that they were not anticipating. They would take them 70 miles to Bethlehem. Yeah, yesterday I woke up and I, uh, man, I had a great plan. And 
In the words of one of the greatest poets and philosophers in history, Mike Tyson, everybody has a plan till you get punched in the face. <laughs> and all bets are off. <laughs> so sometime around, uh, I don't know, afternoonish, my, my lovely daughter, uh, Lauren, is home from, uh, from school, and, and she's, you know, she's feeling a little under the weather. Uh, you know, it's, 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 I mean, she's 19, we should, well, no, she's, or 21. <laughs> she's not, she's not here. And she's not here because she's a little under the weather. So we, we went to, uh, to try to find a walk-in clinic, and it turns out walk-in clinics uh, on the 23rd of December around 6 o'clock can just arbitrarily close regardless of what the website says, and, and God bless them uh, for that. So we, we went to this one, went to that one, but in the middle of all that, I get a phone call from Mo, Mo, uh, who is our executive pastor, who is in Ohio visiting family and says, hey man, uh, what are you doing right now? Uh, the, the fire alarms are going off. There's all, all I know is there's fire trucks and there's water damage, and we need somebody over there like pronto. Yesterday. So... Uh, my plans were, were now blown because I had great plans for the evening. So we, we get over here, and uh, it, it looked like, um, like, like a rivers of living water were flowing out of our uh, preschool, uh, a little waterfall out into the front lawn. And, and, and some of y'all, like Amen, I, I can't see real well, but a bunch of heroes who didn't wear capes showed up last night to try to help us figure this out. We didn't even know last night whether we were even going to be able to gather here because our, our, our lovely company with the, the fire guy was like, well, I mean, we may not be able to. I'm like, okay, back, 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 way up. I got 2,000 people showing up here tomorrow. So what I need to hear from you are not problems, but solutions. I got plenty of problems. What I need is a solution guy. And if you're not the solution guy, we'll find us a solution guy. So anyway, we found a solution guy. Uh, and part of that solution was we had to have someone stay the night here last night because we don't have um, uh, sprinklers right now because we had to turn them off, whatever. And so... Uh, again, not all heroes wear capes, and we drew straws, and uh, I believe I see, is Ryan LaRocca out there? Yeah, God bless you, Ryan LaRocca, 18 years old, uh, and my, my 17-year-old son decided they would stay the night here to protect this place. It was like Ferris Bueller's day off uh, with, <laughs> with a little bit of home alone. It was all mixed together, and Anyway, I think the first phone call came around 12.20. There was beeping or something. No, that, I don't know. At 1.8 ET calls, I'm like, I, I can't do anything about that. And then, and then they call, and they're like, hey, there's, there's a lot of making noise, and, and there may or may not be someone in the parking lot making a drug deal. <laughs> and they didn't take Venmo anyways, the whole story. But the, what it turned out to be was... Uh, there, actually, there might have been a medical emergency at some point, an EMS issue. P bottom line is, I'm trying to get to sleep. I got you know, to work today. And uh, we've, I finally, like, okay, they got, like, a, 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 as best I can tell, what, a BB gun and a broomstick? Was that the, the defense that we were working with here? Yeah. Yeah, and I think, like, a, a little paring knife from the kitchen, which was... Yeah, they're going to need a bigger knife. So the truth is they made it through the night and they, were, they made it here this morning and, and we were alive and, and we, uh, we show up and they get the remediation company again. I got lots of plans for today and walk in and, and I'm like, there's literally two sticks down here in the front with speakers on it like we're in Africa, Holly. Like it's like, wait, what? What's happening here? Why is the, why is the TV not on? 
And uh, yeah, the rolling blackouts had thrown a little bit of a wrench in the chain. And uh, here's what, and I, this is really, really, really true how this was going in my life. Um, everybody here had a great attitude except me. Oh, and I, I forgot, by the way, four in the morning. Like, it's 2022, okay? Why is it that the technology for smoke alarms in your home cannot beep when the battery is low in the daytime? Why has it got to be the middle of the night? Like, if you vote for me for president, we're going to make smoke alarms great again. We're done with this today. At four in the morning, I'm in boxer shorts on a ladder. It's not a pretty sight. So yeah, my attitude was a little poor. And as I was thinking, man, I'm literally about to get to preach this sermon. I'm gonna have to take some notes. <laughs> because what I was experiencing was I had this idea of an appointment of what my day was supposed to look like, but God had an idea of an appointment that was completely over here, and there was something there for me that he needed. And I go there the easy way or the hard way, but either way, we're going the way that God wanted us to go. And where Joseph and Mary were going was back to Bethlehem. And there's a variation of that in all of our lives, in my life, including today. God had something different for us today. And by the way, this was unbelievable. This is fantastic. Like, I don't know what the other stuff was, but this is good. Jesus said in John 6, verse 35, that I am the bread of life. Not like the wonder bread, not like the cheap stuff in the day old rack, like the bread of life. There is a loaf of sourdough bread sitting back there made by Harper Forest that somehow has managed to survive three services without someone absolutely annihilating it. Uh, that's coming for me soon. But the, but the bread of life is this, I, that's, I'm the bread of life. Like I'm not like the, the little sandwich loaf, I'm the bread of life that brings you life. Now, what does that have to do with, with Bethlehem? Why did, why did God need them to go to Bethlehem? Now, one of the reasons, of course, I think it's John Piper that says that, you know, God in any given moment is probably doing a thousand things, and if you know just two of them, you're lucky. So I know one of them that you got to get to in Bethlehem is because Micah, there was a prophet that said, Jesus is going to be born, the Messiah is going to come from Bethlehem. This little backwater, no rent, Bucksnort, Tennessee style town in Israel, about 20 miles, 10 miles south of Jerusalem, that's where Messiah is going to come from. But why would Jesus need, why would God say Bethlehem? Was this just an arbitrary and a capricious decision? Or is it because the word Bethlehem means house of bread? That's possible. Probable. They didn't name it House of Bread just because Jesus was just born there. It's been named House of Bread for thousands of years. They were going back to the House of Bread. And when I say back to Joseph and Mary, this was their ancestral home. Their grandparents, their great-great-grandparents, all the way, King David was from Bethlehem. They were going back to the place where the faith of their father and their mother was from. 
And while being there, they're going to give birth to, they're going to meet the Savior and the faith of their fathers and their mothers is all good. It's now about to become their faith because Mary is not just going to give birth to a baby. She's giving birth to her Savior. And in a Christmas situation, there are some of you tonight that your parents drug you here, your grandma bribed you here. Your husband you made you come, your wife, like if you don't come again, it's one Christmas a year. Like, but, and I don't mean that with any shame in you, whatever, but, but when it comes to as a kid, that faith that you had in your, that it was your parents' faith, that maybe you grew up in the church, at some point you gotta make that your own faith. At some point you gotta say, I can't ride on the coattails of my grandparents and my great-grandparents and just go to church when my grandparents want me to go. At some point, you gotta make that your faith. Joseph and Mary in Bethlehem, the house of bread, encountering a little loaf of Jesus, if you will, is making their own faith now their faith. They believed. Mary held these things in her heart. So if you are here, and you've been holding on to your parents' faith, maybe today, Christmas of 2022, Christmas Eve, maybe this is your day to say, you know what, maybe I need to step in and what, is, what do I believe this year? And then there are those like the shepherds. The shepherds were way out in the dark, tending their sheep. There's no indication that these guys had any kind of faith at all. What there is an indication of is it was dark, and they were alone, and God said, you need to get to Bethlehem. You gotta get to the house of bread. Said angels appeared to them in Luke 2, singing good, right, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And if you're in a place where your life is dark and you've got no peace in your world, you don't have goodwill even towards yourself, let alone goodwill towards God, man, tonight, he is inviting you back to Bethlehem, back to the house of bread. These shepherds made it to Bethlehem. They saw what they had heard. They experienced it for themselves. And Luke says that then they went out and told everybody else about it because now that faith is their faith. They now believe what God had promised. And maybe it's that for you. Maybe I don't believe right now. I've never really had that, and you have an opportunity tonight before you leave this to say, you know what, I'm going to put my trust in Christ. I am going to go to Bethlehem and see what this is all about and make a decision to follow Jesus like the shepherds did. They weren't the first shepherds in Bethlehem by no means. No, there was one named David a few hundred years before that. David was a young warrior that wanted to kick butt and take names for the kingdom of God. All of his older brothers were on the front lines of the uh, war against the Philistines, and he, was, he hated it because his brothers were all out there, and he's just like the water boy, like Adam Sandler. He's like the guy I got to... But he kept going, thank you, thank you, going to the front lines. But here's what I love about David and what it says here in 1 Samuel 17, 15, because I recognize in our church family, even in me, we have a proclivity to want to fight for what's right. We have a proclivity to want to speak truth, to not bow to the culture. That is 100, that passion is amazing. But you've, he went back and forth to Bethlehem. 
If I spend all my time on the front lines battling Philistines and no time in the house of bread, my faith is going to be warped. My motivations are going to be suspect. Going back and forth to the house of bread. See, when he was going back to Bethlehem, back to tending his father's sheep, he was learning things. He was learning how to kill bears and fight lions and be a shepherd and be brave and be courageous. But he didn't learn that in front of the Philistines. He learned it in Bethlehem. So for my brothers and sisters, my warrior friends, good on you. But go back to Bethlehem. Go back to the house of bread. Go back to the reason why we would speak up for truth in the first place. It is not to stick it to the man. It's because of the man. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that may not be you. That You may just be like Naomi and Ruth. See, in the Bible, book of Ruth, there's this story that's beautiful. A woman named Naomi and her husband and her two sons, they lived in Bethlehem. And Bethlehem had experienced famine. Bethlehem suddenly wasn't all it had been cracked up to be. Things were hard in Bethlehem. And so they went and left to try to find their bread, their house of bread, someplace else. They went to a Moabite town, to a place where the Moabites, which were people that were doing some wicked things. There, there were some awful things happening in this Moabite community. And so they go all the way to this place, and they're hanging out. And before long, both of their sons are now married to Moabite women. And these Moabite women, Ruth and you know Orpah Winfrey? Remember her show? <laughs> Orpah. They're now married to her sons and Naomi. She's now in way from Bethlehem. And before long, her husband dies. And before long, the husbands of both of the daughters-in-law, her sons are dead. And now here's Naomi, far from home, far from Bethlehem, alone, broke, What's she going to do? To some of y'all, and I know this story because I did this one. I was in church. I grew up in church. I was going on mission trips. Man, and when it came to the uh, little, little young Jesus people, I was kicking butt and taking names. Man, I was all over that. And then sometime around 20 years old, I decided... Yeah, this isn't all it's cracked up to be. I got my feelings hurt. Some people did some things that were kind of mean to me. I experienced something that some of y'all called church hurt. And so I took a journey. I took a journey away for a while, made bad decisions, did terrible things, and things that you can't take back, things that are unforgettable. And here's the thing, what, what Naomi needed to do most was the thing she wanted to do least, which is go back to Bethlehem. You know why? It was a small town. Anybody grow up in a small town? What do you know about small towns? Everybody knows everything about everything you've ever done. And then a whole bunch of stuff you didn't do because somebody said you did. I used to think, man, why are you making up stuff? I've done plenty of bad stuff. I'll give you the list. You don't have to make up new stuff. You know, I didn't want to go back. Naomi didn't want to go back. But eventually, and I, this is the thing that's so merciful about God. 
I mean, he'll let you take another lap on the crazy train and love you just as much. But he's not going to get on the train with you. He'll just meet you at the station. Is this your year to take one more lap around it? Or is this your year to get off the train and meet Jesus in Bethlehem? That's your decision. He'll love you just as much one way or the other. But Naomi, she heads back and she heads back with a Moabite woman. Two of them. And here's how merciful God is. Here's how forgiving and amazing his grace is. When they arrive back in Bethlehem, some of you know the story, most of you do. They meet a man named Boaz. And Boaz takes a liking to Ruth. And we don't have time to tell the story, but you know what? If you're in your Bible reading in January, you know, skip from Genesis, go right to Ruth. It's a good one. He's one of the most perfect and beautiful pictures of Jesus in the entire Old Testament. Because when they went back to Bethlehem, what they did not find was judgment and rebuke and shame. What they found was redemption and grace. Their redeemer was waiting in Bethlehem, and so is yours. Maybe this is your year to go back to the house of bread, back to Bethlehem. There's one more that I wanted to share, and that's we're going to go back even further in time. We're going to go back to Jacob and Rachel and Leah. Some of you know the story that Jacob, Jacob was in love, 100% pathetic, smitten in love with a girl named Rachel. And in those days, the way that marriage worked was a little different. Now, that said, as a father of daughters, arranged marriages used to sound real stupid. And then I got three daughters. I'm like, they're the smartest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> you know how it is. You can do a great job raising your kid, and then some knucklehead comes along and just blows the whole thing up. So, yeah. Fortunately, fortunately, and I'm not just saying this because he's not even here to defend himself. Uh, we got one, uh, one, one married, one daughter married, and I, I literally, if I could have handpicked and arranged and paid camels whatever I needed to pay, I'd have done it for this kid. Ben Absher is a hero. So the deal he's got to make, because he doesn't have any money, I'm going to work for seven years to get Rachel. And you may remember the story, he worked seven years, and the way the weddings work in that day and age, you know, the night of the wedding, he lifts the little veil, and it's not her, it's Leah, and then he does what most people do. He broke her heart because he was so sad that it wasn't her. How do you think she felt? How do you think she felt for the next seven years while he worked hard, not for her, but for her sister? How heartbreaking must that have been? And I want to suggest to you tonight that I believe, this is not a thus saith the Lord, this is a, it seems to me, it seems to me that Leah was God's will for Jacob's life to begin with. Wasn't his plan, but it was, I think, God's will. And I think it was God's will because Leah would give birth to a son named Judah and Jesus is a lion of the tribe of Judah. And in Genesis 49, verse 15, there's a story that continues that Rachel, this girl that he loved so much, this girl that he wanted so desperately, that he worked so hard for, he broke her heart, she broke his heart. Give me children or else I'll die. And then in giving birth to a son named Benjamin, she actually dies in childbirth. And it says in Genesis 49 verse 15 that he buried her in, he buried her, listen, don't miss this, he buried her 
in Bethlehem. I have had some really, really great ideas and dreams in my life that were not God's dreams for me. And at some point, I had to bury him. And the beautiful thing about God is the sacrifice of burying that dream that you had is because he has a dream for you that's actually better than the dream that you had. He has a Leah in your future. He's got Jesus in the middle of that. And by the way, if you're Rachel, if you're Jacob, and some of you feel like, I, like I, there's, I can't unring the bell that I have caused, the, the heartache that I caused in Rachel, the heartache that I caused in Leah, the brokenness that my addiction has caused in my family, the lying, the cheating, the things that I've done that's undoable. Rachel gave birth to a son named Joseph. It was Joseph that God would use as a perfect picture of Jesus in the Old Testament as well. It was Joseph that would save Israel so that Judah could survive into the future. You are not smart enough to mess up your way out of God's sovereignty in your life and you are not dumb enough to mess up your way out of God's sovereignty in his life. He has a plan for you you can break some hearts along the way. You can hurt your own self. Or you can pick up the shovel tonight and lay behind your stubbornness and your pride and your bitterness and your resentment and bury it in Bethlehem, the house of bread. See, Jesus said in John 6 that just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. I am the bread of life. Would you come home tonight to Bethlehem? Make your parents' faith a thing of the past and your faith now. Let the light of the world, the bread of life, shine into the darkness of your doubt. Would you lay down the pride and the, I'm going to fight for all this and get back to Bethlehem and let Jesus inspire you? What better gift could you give Jesus for Christmas than you, than your stuff? that loaf of bread sitting in the back. If I take it home tonight and use it as a, what do we call it, loofah in the shower? Doesn't do me any good. Falls apart, Jesus called it food that spoils. I could make a bed out of it and by Friday it would be a science experiment. I could lick it, I could kiss it, could duct tape it to my stomach, which is where it goes anyway. And none of that does any good because the bread of life does not do any good unless you take it into you. 
the only good that bread of life, the only good it is, is when it is broken. An unbroken bread is not a life bread. And it is broken when you take it in and eat it. Jesus, as an example, will crush you. I've tried. All it does is discourage me because I know I can't be like Jesus. I tried. Jesus as a good teacher. Yeah, great. Says some smart stuff. And everybody in this room has done this at least a hundred times in your life. I can't believe I did that. That was so stupid. Because you didn't need more information. You needed transformation. And Jesus, if you come to him saying, hey, I'm really sad, make me happy, you don't understand why Jesus came. If you come to Jesus, hey man, I'm really broke and I'm really down, can you get me some money and make it better? You don't know why Jesus came. If you go to Jesus and say, I'm really dead, can you make me alive? You know why Jesus came. Whatever theologian said it, that Jesus didn't come to make bad men good or good men better, he came to make dead men alive. He came to make you and me alive. That's the bread of life. Shannon, would you join? Would you look under your, if you're here on the, on the right side, is this the right? Yeah, the right side. If you're on the right aisle, look under your seat. And under your seat on the right aisle is going to be a little basket with the elements of communion in it. And I would ask that you take that up and just take one out and just pass it down. And when you get to the other end of the aisle, you can just place it under the chair on that end of the aisle. See, tonight, if you want to trust in Christ for the first time, you can do it right where you're sitting. The work, Jesus said, how do I do the works, right, to get salvation, to get life? He just said the work is to believe. You can pray right where you are. You don't need me to pray for you. You don't need me to pray through you. You can just pray, God, I believe. Save me, forgive me. Whatever your words are, Jesus can come into your life right now. For those of you that are questioning your own faith, you can pray. For those of you that, whatever on the spectrum you are, you have a chance to pray right now while we are going to partake of this bread of life. And I love the fact that I don't even know if these are edible. Because this isn't anything but a symbol. The symbol of Christ in you, the hope of glory. The symbol of Christ's broken body, shed blood, is what saves you. I don't need a teacher, I need a savior. And so do you. For this Christmas, it's your broken body, his broken body. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement, right? Our sin was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. His broken body. Broken so that yours would not have to be. Canceled so that you will not be. I've said it before, but this, the cross was God's ability to cancel your sin without canceling you through his broken body. Would you partake of that with me tonight? The Bible tells us there is no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. There's no remission of sin. And it's really quite simple. 
You can say you're sorry. I, I, I feel terrible. I'm sorry. But the hurt is still there. The wounds are still there. The debt is still there. Who is going to pay it? You? The toothpaste is out of the tube. No, somebody was going to need to shed blood, and Jesus was, I'll let my blood, my perfect blood, my spotless lamb blood shed for you so that you don't have to be. The house of bread, I am the bread of life. You will partake of my bread, and you will have life. His blood, though your sins were as scarlet, and will wash them white as snow. Would you partake of that with me tonight? And stand to your feet. We're going to get you home. But not before we have this chance. Say that Jesus, the bread of life, is the light of the world. He says, I'm the light of the world. And because I'm the light of the world, you are the light of the world. So as we sing this,